but she has this presence and sort of authority. She walks in, she holds up her hand, everybody keeps quiet, she starts to talk. Welcome to See Africa, Breathe Africa, a weekly podcast made to bring the continent closer to you. It's moderated by a travel consultant and cultural tourism expert, Miha Logar, and an Afrofusion musician, Joe Kahiri. In this episode, they're sitting together in a grass-thatched hut on the shores of Lake Bunyoni, Uganda. See Africa, breathe Africa. Kahiri and Miha are wondering how to be good partners to the Batwa Pygmies the amazing yet impoverished and disrespected indigenous people of the Gorilla Highlands region. This topic is huge enough that the episode is a little longer than usual. Do read about the dramatic Batwa history in the show notes, but first, get the gist of it in Kahiri's tune. Today we take a trip deep, deep, deep Into the forest of the Gorilla Highlands we're going to meet the people so mysterious. Let's hear the story in this episode of See Africa, Breathe Africa, See Africa, yeah. See Africa, Breathe Africa, See Africa, yeah. The Batwa people, the real indigenous people. They're the ones who were here first. They're hunters and gatherers with dogs by their side. They're lovers of honey and they're masters of the boar. Oh. Then from West Africa, the Bantus arrive. They're cutting down the forest to make rooms for their farms. They're reducing all the land and pushing them aside. Finally, the government kicked them out to protect the gorillas, they say. See the plight of the Batwa Strangers in their own, own land So we made a visit to hear their story And this is what we have to stay Let's see Africa Breathe Africa See Africa, yeah Oh, see Africa Breathe Africa and see Ladies and gentlemen, after we went very continental, almost global, in our previous episode, we are now moving to the micro level. This is a soul-searching episode that has to do with how to apply responsible tourism to the poorest of the poor. In our case, that means the Batwa, also known as the Pygmies, in the southwest of Uganda. We have been working with three groups, and today we are zeroing down on two of them and sharing our experiences, our dilemmas, our problems, our hopes. In preparation for this episode, our good friend Al Podel sent us a message that said, On your pygmy segment, be sure to mention the type of gifts to bring them. I found they most like to get salt, bread, safety matches, canned protein like meat or sardines, and unfortunately, cigarettes. After reading that email, I directed Al to our episode 6 that had to do with gifting. And he didn't actually find it relevant, 
because he said that episode was about children and beggars. So, Kahiri, you remember our conversation of that that time, right? Yeah. The whole thing. Do you see relevance in what they were discussing? I mean, I do think that it's it's absolutely 100% relevant because we were talking about how beggars are not... Somebody is not born a beggar. There's such a thing as a beggar mentality. Now, how do we create that beggar mentality in people? It's the kind of expectation that comes with, oh, these people are going to be passing around, handing out trinkets. It's a bit of a crippling mentality, um, but it's also enabled by the fact that these people do have needs and it's enabled by the fact that there are people who are driving through who have more than they need, who you know can afford to throw crumbs at the, at, around at the people. Well, we have two elements here that we definitely need to underline. In your Sea Africa... Breathe Africa song, you summarized the origin story of the Batwa yeah. and, and how they ended up being in the position they are in and really have nothing. And when you have nothing, one of the means available is to ask for something. Right. So that's like, it's very easy to understand their begging. Right. They've, they've, they've been put in a situation where many times they need to work, not for money, but for food because they don't have land. For survival. For survival, they need to like offer their services to another member of the community. And in exchange, they just get fed. They don't even get right. any, any payment. Sounds so, like the life of a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Our Al, however, has a point. I mean, let's see what exactly he said in response. When you visit the Pygmies, you're going to their home. And when you do that, it's customary to bring a present. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that is a relevant thought. It's it's customary to bring gifts when you visit people's homes. However, this is not a regular visit. It's not like I'm going over to see Miha at his house and so let me carry him a gift. This is a stranger that you don't know. This is strangers walking in. It's organized. Probably unlike us who are dealing with... The Batwa Pygmies of Uganda all went to some remote community in Congo. That's my assumption, of course. And that puts it in a different setup. Right. Then, yes, you travel somewhere, come as a guest. In our situation, it's mostly about trying to make existing visits of tourists, not ours, not writers of book about uh, all the countries in the world, but bringing visitors to this community. Okay. So there's, there's, there's definitely a little bit of a difference there. And I understand his point. I mean, it's a beautiful point. It's like, it's universal. That, that good habit of bringing something as a guest is something worth... Uh, if you expecting. are a guest, if you are a guest. If you're, going to, if you're going to stay at someone's place and it's an Airbnb, I'm not going there as a guest. I've come for a particular service and I'm paying... And the person understands that they're worth, they're doing work that's worth being paid for, and therefore they're legitimately earning this money. If I have a place where people come and stay and I just count on their benevolence to give me whatever they can in return for their stay, that still doesn't feel like fair trade. It doesn't feel like we are creating an empowering situation in that place. I would say that brings us to our second complaint. Okay. It was like your episode was about 
beggars and children. This has nothing to do with the pygmies. Well, I said, it does. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to cover the beggar side. But there is this other side that we are particularly interested in not being caught up in. And that is treating them as children. You know? Right. Like saying the Batwa need our help, the Batwa need to be advised, the right. Batwa, like, because they don't know, because... So, right. so that's definitely what we don't want to do, but it's often done. Right. Yeah, you just see them as inferior and it's your job to help and everything. Mm. In, the, in, in that regard, I'm saying it's wrong for somebody to think, let me just come there with some bars of soap, because if I give them money, they're going to drink it or right. anything like that. Right. Because if they are desperate enough, they're going to sell you a bar of soap. And right. <laughs> so I've always tried to create a relationship where you trust your partner. Say, okay, we are giving you this money and we are counting on the community to find a way of spending that money on something reasonable. Right. We would like this to be a relationship in which you rightly and fairly pay somebody for their time. Right. Not in the form of tips, yes. not in the form of anything else, but there is a specific amount of money that is budgeted for that the community gets because they, they, they've devoted their time to you. Right. And that does create an empowering mindset, even on their behalf. Um, as opposed to thinking, I'm not worth anything. I'm just depending on the mercy of these good people to give me something to get me through the day. I think that, on the other hand, would be the disempowering mindset. Yeah. And while thinking about this episode, we ran into an obstacle. None of the communities that we work with actually have any English speaker. So bringing a person who doesn't speak English into a conversation would be difficult to do live, would be difficult to do uh, in an efficient way. Right. So instead, we sent Kahiri mm-hmm. to go experience, chat with the community, and basically bring his thoughts and his recordings back to us. That is going to be part two of our episode. Part one talks about the Batwa of Lake Bunyoni and let us allow the voice to summarize the story for us. Since 2005, the Gorilla Highlands Experts team has been organizing multi-day hiking and dugout canoeing trips on Lake Bunyoni in the rolling terraced hills very close to the border between Uganda and Rwanda. This is the land of the Bachiga ethnic group, but one of the routes goes through the marshy area where a Batwa group lives, and it felt a must to involve them. They had already been receiving many tourist visits via motorboats sent by lodges on the other side of the lake, but the money they were earning only fueled alcoholism. We wanted it to instead support cultural self-respect. So we talked to the Batwa about expanding on the dancing that they offered their visitors. What about presenting their proud history in the forest and showcasing their excellent archery skills and taking questions from our travelers? They agreed and tried their very best, but with only mixed results. We also attempted to help them by suggesting a craft-making initiative. Sadly, the money they requested for the materials did not result in any products at all, and we eventually gave up. But we didn't give up on them. We would invite them to our New Year's celebrations and to the Batwa meetings on the 1st of January. 
We would begin each and every year with a debate with the Batwa, demonstrating how important they were to us. Their excessive drinking was often a topic, and solutions were debated, but the outcomes weren't great. In the beginning of 2022, our guide, Arthur Musunguzi, took Erska Dimnik and her friend to a two-day trek called Mama Benny's Bonus. On day one, they canoed from island to island. On day two, they were to climb Mount Karembe, and at the base of the mountain, they paid a visit to the Batwa. Let's listen to Erska, Arthur, and our senior guide, Owen Bright. Once we arrived there, uh, first of all, we didn't feel very welcome. Uh, some of them were drunk. They started to dance, but there were only three older people, actually, who wanted to do some dancing and singing. The rest were just standing there and, and looking. It, it, it felt like um, they are obligated to be there, you know, that they're not happy for us to be there, but actually they would just like us to give them money and disappear. You basically just feel like you you are like a walking ATM machine and the whole experience was actually maybe even worse because the previous night we had a really nice experience spending a night at uh, Mama Benas and the whole community was uh, very, very nice, very welcoming. So the experience with uh, the Batwa people um, was not welcoming at all. Um, we have Asa with us, who was the guide and who had seen that community many times before, I just would like to ask him, what was your personal take on what you experienced there? They were already drunk, and later, because they were expecting something from us, the three of them just doing the dancing, but still was boring, I would say, and it's like they never participated anything like before how we used to have it. So it was be to be a, a good experience with other people, people would appreciate it when yeah. you would find them when they are really uh, sober. Yeah. But that time, it was really one of the worst experiences I have ever had with the, the pygmy people. Do you think, Owen, that there is still hope after all these years of talking to them? I would say probably not possible. Why? Why is it not possible? Because this community is the worst one because it receives a bunch of tourists just getting to the port. They even don't reach where the battle are staying, so they meet on the shore of the lake. The other one comes with even not a drum, but with um, a jerry can. They dance, and after dancing, they just want money, and that's all. Let me try to list the stakeholders. Okay. So you have the Batwa themselves. Right. Different communities of them. Yes. Then you have engine boat providers, mm-hmm. many of them. Then you have Bachiga guides who actually play the role of explaining the whole thing. And then you have tour companies and you have hotels. Okay, so from the Batwa side, we can't really realistically expect uh, any resistance from receiving money to get drunk. It's just sad, but it's the way it is. From the point of motorboat providers, they just want business. They want tourists to go to the other side. So probably the element that, that is manageable is the element of tour companies and hotels. So uh, companies have tourists. When they come to Lake Bunyani, they always have like um, an option activities. Out of the option activities, they always have like boat trip on Lake Bunyani and they know there are different part of communities. And uh, we have those who are really much more mindful and we also have those who doesn't care, who just want to be entertained and that's all. I have a question that is like entirely a result of this conversation. Do you think that it would be good for us, 
to get involved in that motorboat tourism, to take that product and make it better. Yeah. Within those limits. Yeah. Okay, if I'm a tourist who just wants to go to the other side with a motorboat, maybe I still want to be, you know, properly educated, prepared, and then also experience the thing better. The best we can possibly do is to try to educate the consumer, the client, the tourist. Because if the tourist demands something, if the tourist complains, if there is an alternative that is clear, that is probably the only way something can change. I agree with that 100%. I think that that is something that could be taken advantage of very well. And I think that if a tour could be modeled, not just to coach them before the tour, but even when you get there, for them to witness the impact. Fundamentally, yes. our approach in the past has been we are talking to responsible tourists. Maybe our approach in the future should be we are talking to tourists to make them responsible. Yes, I think I agree with this. Like crusade, man, like I'm all for it. Preach, convert them. I have goosebumps thinking about this. Do not miss episode 11, discussing how to scale responsible tourism up and boost its impact on the Gorilla Highlands region. Right now, however, we're with Kahiri on a Boda Boda, a passenger motorcycle making its way toward Chuya Forest. We're on the very scenic route that leads to the northern tip of Lake Bunyoni, where we'll join the tarmac for some minutes, driving by the broccoli-shaped trees of Ichuya, before branching off to a feeder road again. Our destination is the settlement of the Batwa of Ramahano, where the activity named Batwa Today takes place. Its origin is directly linked to the lessons learned at Bunyoni. Here we partnered up with a Batwa group that didn't receive so many tourists, a group that had better leadership and fewer drinking issues, and a group that still had some access to their forest. Just like the Batwa of Lake Bunyoni, they're surrounded by the Bachiga ethnic group. We began a new financial approach with the Batwa of Ramahano. A group would bank half of the money that they earned through tourist visits and then receive it from us in bulk every six months. Bigger amounts were supposed to mean bigger opportunities to invest in smart projects, and it proved to work quite well. The best proof is that the Batwa themselves always decided for the banking solution to continue. Kahiri is to interview Johanna Biraru, Kedres Desije, and Amos Simako, all members of the Batwa community. His main point of reference, however, is Nora Chabazaga, one of the Batwa tour guides. These are profoundly beautiful areas, and you should appreciate the pictures in the show notes, following Kahiri and his guitar right to the periphery of the Achuya Forest Reserve. Nora took me on what was supposed to be a walk through the forest because I wanted to see the forest. I've been told they have all this knowledge about the science of herbs and, and how the herbs work and everything. As we go to the entrance of the forest, so this guy shows up with a stick, this big Muchiga guy, and tells us we can't go in. Apparently, Nora told me later that this is what they do to get bribes out of whichever tourists comes. I declined to bribe the guy, so... We couldn't get into the forest, but what Nora did is she led me around the edge of the forest and we had quite an interesting conversation. Uh, she told me about different herbs and uh, what they do. Some of the things were really hardcore. Uh, she told me about a herb that they use for abortion and she said, This herb was used by young girls who became unintentionally pregnant to abort their babies. 
they had to do it because otherwise their community wouldn't accept them anymore. Even worse, they were in danger of being thrown into a hole and be left to die there. Girls still use it today. We saw other plants, some that heal malaria. I didn't know that the papaya leaves heal malaria. She told me about that. Some that heal something she talked about that's like a swelling in the body. I don't know if that's about cancer or what is it. The other thing that I found very interesting is the relationship between the medicines and the and what they perceive to be attractions of the genders of the sexes. When a man is searching for a woman and the lady is rejecting his advances, he has to rub this herb on his heart and forehead. Then he just needs to wait and she will fall in love and accept him. Our women also use love potions to stop their men from getting attracted to any competition. I mean, I did give it a try and there is a woman and I'm waiting to see the magic. So maybe that will come in another episode. There was a there was a plant which uh, if 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 a man has a rebellious wife who doesn't want to f- fulfill her part, he can use. If a woman has a cheating husband, she can use. You know, I asked her, "Have you ever tried any of this stuff?" She said, "Well, I was married to a guy who was a straight shooter, so I never had any need for any of this stuff." So the truth is still out there. Um, about this African chemistry, so to speak. Kahiri now climbs to the top of the hill that the Batwa call home. There's no more commotion of the trading center caused by the Bachiga who want to offer their guiding services or try to boss the Batwa around. Kahiri's hosts are at peace here, and they can dance and sing with our Joe. Then he sits down to have a conversation with five central members of the community. One of the most peculiar things that I was interested to find out was the gender relationships between the Batwa people. Uh, as I had spoken about, I, you know, when I encountered Nora and saw how you know forceful she was in that community, I, I found it peculiar. It's not often that you are seated in any African setting. You're seated with men and women and you know a woman can stand up and shush the men and say what she needs to say and so i did ask about that Batwa men and Batwa women are equal because they have equal brains for example a woman can stand up and silence the man or when we sit to drink a man can tell his woman that it's time for both of them to go home and she will accept but the woman can do the same she can inform her husband that it is time to leave and he will listen. Which I thought is a unique thing. You don't find that too much in, in an African society. Like you're having your booze. The wife says, man, let's go home. Like, what? What's she talking about, girl? Then we, another thing I found interesting, I asked about what is it like to be a Mutwa, which is a, you know, a member of the Batwa tribe. What's their life like? And how do they view these people who come to visit them? We, the Batwa people, don't plan for our next year or our next week. We just think about what we are going to do today. 
Our only priority when we wake up in the morning is what we are going to eat and drink today and where we are going to sleep tonight. This is because we can't know what comes in the future. When we were chased out of the forests, only people from abroad helped us. So I'm very happy when visitors come to see us. What I picked from it was that they look at visitors as a source, source of food, source of money, source of a, a way to make life better. One of the guys did mention how at times they do feel used and so some people will come and they want get a story, they want to get the knowledge and they want to benefit materially and and so they do feel that they deserve a cut of whatever that is. They talk about how they were forcibly removed from the forest and they've been denied access to the forest and the forest used to feed them, the forest was a source of medicine, the forest was a source of entertainment, uh, you know. Uh, so for them being removed from and being denied entrance back into the forest has been an injustice. Um, one of them mentioned that they've been taking on the government. I think there's a court case or something about it as well. We took our case to the courts because they didn't give us any compensation. We even won it, but still nothing happened. We pray to God that something will change. The forest used to be our home, but the government forced us out. Uh, some of them feel like they were cheated out of it where their grandparents were convinced that life would be better for them outside the forest. And when they went into the villages, then they realized that they couldn't get back into the forest because suddenly the forest had been cordoned off. Then we talked about uh, the relationship with the Bachiga. Uh, and I had to give them my reassurance that, yo, guys, you can say everything you want. I am a Bachiga, but I'm... I'm not here for the Bachiga story. I'm not here for the sake of the Bachiga. I'm here to hear about the Batwa. And uh, I, I know that I've heard Bachiga, for example, saying, you know, things about the Batwa when, when, I'm, when a Mutwa is, when a Mutwa feels satisfied, he sets the granary on fire to keep himself warm, those type of thing. So the first thing uh, seemed to come out is the fact that they don't feel respected by the Bachiga or recognized as equal members of the society. And I guess by Ugandans at large, one of them mentioned how Batwa were not allowed to vote for a very, very long time. And it's only starting to happen now. So they must have felt that like outsiders with no opinion in their own within their own country. We weren't allowed to vote and select our leaders because we're not educated. We're also not allowed to stand for leadership positions because we don't have any money. If we had it, we could win and make decisions. I was told that, uh, oh, this was a very interesting one. So there is a beef between the Batwa and the Bachiga that Batwa, Batwa women, Batwa, Bachiga men like Batwa women and want to take Batwa women and, and have sex with them, to put it gently. But then they don't want Batwa men to have sex with their women. And so for Batwa men, it's kind of like a, it's almost an achievement to have a Mchiga woman and impregnant her is like, yeah, impregnated her, so there's nothing they can do about it. Mm. 
Amuchiga always undermine us. They say we are witches, and they lie that when a Muchiga jumps over a Batwa, his back will heal. But that's not true. When I get money, I must marry a Muchiga woman and show them. We should be sleeping with the Bachiga, because they do the same with our women. I asked uh, Birar, who's the chairman, how is it that you are taller than most of the Batwa people? He said, well, my mom had sex with a Muchiga man. To put it politely also... <laughs> Um, and he just said it in my face like, yeah, what you going to do about that? Strange, funny, but it was also, also quite eye-opening that this is the way these guys feel. They see themselves as the ones who don't have the advantage in society. Um, so that was quite an interesting thing to hear about. This was the bulk of the conversation that I had with them, and then we said goodbye At the end of your visit, you asked me this profound question. Are we really partners? Is it possible to be partners? Right. Or are we perceived mostly as donors, helpers? Right. In your recordings, there is a lot of niha this, niha that. That's me, miha. Yeah. To, to the Batwa, I mean. Niha, yes. Niha. I, did, yeah. I did hear niha. It always embarrasses me because, you know... You are put on a pedestal like that. Miha did this, Miha did that. Even though, of course, we are as a group quite an important team. But to them, I, I represent everything that is good, that is responsible tourism training and everything else. Yeah. And um, in many ways, I'm the Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Come and, with a big bag of gifts. And I wouldn't want to be. Right. It's, it's about that relationship that we talked about in the beginning, you know? I would like partnership. Yeah. I would, I would like them to see me as an equal with whom they can have conversations. Like, I'm really impressed when we have those January 1st meetings and they come up with ideas. They feel comfortable, especially ladies. <laughs> ladies would be fronting suggestions and okay. so on. That's, like, really good because mm. you see that they are comfortable. They're not waiting for me to tell them anything. But of course, like, at the end of the day, we come from two very, very different starting points. They rely on me. They rely on us. I also have a question for you. Right. You as a Muchiga, and basically for the first time in your life, interacting with the others. What is your number one take? What changed for you? after you finally found the battle, based on what you thought you knew about them? What changed for me, <clears throat> I think, fundamentally, is the need to be part of the change in perception in our cultures. I know Bachiga quite stoic in the things that they believe to be true and all of that, and... We are a difficult society to challenge the norms in because once people have got this in their mind, it's very hard to change. But the Batwa people, what I understood is that they, seeing their position in society, being the ones who got to the ball last, because they, they got to the villages, village setting last, they were the last ones in there, they didn't get many of the amenities and they're not in touch with the government, they're not in touch with the system that runs the world today as we know it. And so they see their place as the one of don't cause trouble with these people, keep your silence. 
don't try pick fights with these people. And of course, I realized that Bachiga then interpreted that as, yeah, we're superior with her. We're better than these guys. I had never given it much thought because I had never really interacted with Batwa people. I found uh, a lot of things quite profound about like their knowledge of the forest and the herbs and nature and all of that. I found that quite imposing. I found it a treasure, a library of... I, th- I, I was getting ideas to myself. Man, maybe these guys have a way of treating things that we don't even think are treatable right now. Maybe they have simpler solutions to treat things because I, what I saw was only a tiny little grasp. I mean, bit. But from what I'm told, this is knowledge that almost any Mutua walking around in that community will have. I felt activated. I thought to myself, you know what? This is, some, this is something that's not right in our community that we should be a part of changing. You know, for example, we can't go around yelling Black Lives Matter when there's black people who are in our society whose lives don't seem to matter as much as the other black people, you know, type of thing. So, I mean, I can imagine what these guys would be able to contribute to our society, to their own land that they're in, to the development of this country if they were given an equal footing, if they were able to share this wisdom without feeling like we're being treated as children, as people who don't know what they're doing, as people who just need to be taken care of because they can't take care of themselves. I definitely want to thank you for, you know, devoting a day of your life to this visit. I should be the one thanking you for organizing this trip because at the end of the day, the takeout was mostly mine. Well... Let's hope that the takeout is for all our listeners to gain a completely new understanding of the dynamics, of the realities, of everything that has to do with the Batwa. I mean, for me personally, this episode really began with me asking myself after that experience that we discussed in part one, am I still committed enough to try even better? You know, to make sure that every community we work with benefits something from tourism, but at the same time gives the visitor a proper experience. Am I tired of dealing with drunkards who who can't be helped at times? So I was in in many ways challenged. Mm. You know, when you say all these years, of trying all these years of learning and trying many different things many different things you know it's just time to give up say okay one community needs to be forgotten <laughs> it's like it's like being in a, in a relationship you know at one point you say yes i love you but yeah yeah it's been really helpful to hear your perspectives to invite our guides who have a lot of first-hand experience with Batva communities, yeah. to even hear from Urshka who shared. Yeah. But above all, to have their voices in, because yeah. you heard it directly in an unfiltered way from them. And I saw, in I mean, in the recordings, it's clear that they are not intimidated. They are like super intimate with you. Like they, they don't mind. They just tell you the way it is. And right. That is not always easy to get. Yeah. When I'm... you When you as a newcomer come to some completely, you know, unknown people. I found that very refreshing because when I arrived, the expectation wasn't of, oh, this is the guy who's going to bring us tickets and gifts, so let's be nice to him 
and let's tell him all our problems so that he may solve them or solve some of them or something. Um, we had a conversation and it, it you know it got quite feisty at some point. It was it was enjoyable. I, I left with a, a new perspective. I would like to think that that is also a result of all these years of us partnering up with them, working with them, sharing with them. Right. And and evidence of, of the fact that the impact is there. I would say that it may not be impactful for everybody, but for the some who it is impactful for, it means everything. You know, destinies changed because it's passed down again and again and again. And, and I'm quite excited about what we talked about. When you have tourists who are bringing income into the region, if we can then give these people the type of experience that converts them. It's usually Kahiri who ends our episodes, but this time I feel like <laughs> contributing a story. Okay, let's hear, let's, I love stories. And this story about the Batwa actually takes place in America. Oh. And funnily enough, there is a connection back to uh, Albert Podell because I traveled through the southwestern part of the United States with him. Mm-hmm. And we are basically on a tarmac road, like connecting two national parks, unbelievable national parks, you know. The, the beauty of the southwest of America is mind-boggling. Okay. So, so connecting, connecting some of those national parks, just suddenly we are passing through a village that gives me this feeling, Batwa. Just like we didn't stop. We didn't say anything. I just saw the houses. I picked the, the, the microclimate and my first thought was Batwa. Can you uh-huh. can you imagine where we were? I mean I have no idea, but I'm endlessly inquisitive, curious. We were in the reservation for Native Americans. Oh, okay. The the Red Indians or yeah. whatever whatever abuse abusive name you would like to use for them. So we saw another group that has been treated in a similar way. Driving through their, through their land. And you the could aura see was the same. The aura was the same. Like, you, when you can see poverty, that is not just poverty, it's just something deep. Something that affects their way of life, their thinking every bloody second. You yeah. know? Because when you take the lands away from a group, it's like the end. Because your culture is tied to the land, the way the culture of the Batwa was tied to the forest. Mm. Yeah? There, there is no future anymore once you are not your own master of your own territory. When, when you don't control your realities anymore. Right. So when we talk about Batwa drinking, is the situation with any other indigenous group. Why do they drink? Because there is no tomorrow. Because there is no tomorrow. I guess it's a thing that comes with disenfranchisement or disempowerment. You just feel like you're not in control. Yeah. Which, which, which was one of the things that struck me with that mindset. So all we can do as humans who were born in a situation that is different is to take that into account, to have that understanding and not jump to conclusions, say, you know, these people are drunkards or these people are useless. Yeah, to, I- to know where they come from and try to play our part to help themselves uplift their communities. Thank you, Kahiri, for giving me the last word, but we have an audience there expecting to hear your guitar 
at the end of an episode. So, please. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As always, we shall end the episode with a song. And today, the song that I really want to play for you guys is a song by one of my favorite ever musicians. He's an African musician from Kenya. His name is Eric Wanaina. And uh, he does this song called Jana Nijana. Yesterday is yesterday. Um, so, enjoy.
Why would you miss even one episode of such a thought-provoking show? Follow us on Apple Podcasts by pressing the plus button at the top. Or on Spotify, you should simply tap follow under the podcast title. We record with a live Zoom audience every Tuesday and publish the episodes by the weekend.